I tell you, over the last few weeks, we've been talking about this idea of being released, being forgiven. I'm glad to know today that I've been released from my sin. But the Lord didn't release me from sin just so I could feel good. He released me from my sin so that I would be free to serve him in this world and in this life. Last week, we talked about how that each and every one of you were created in Christ Jesus. You are his workmanship. That word workmanship means masterpiece. You're sitting right next to a masterpiece today because each of us have been created by God. And he has created us as we are for his purpose. But today I want to talk to you about something that is far different than just being created. Because if all that ever happens in your life is that you are created, but you don't use what God has given you, and you don't prioritize it in your life, then nothing good will come from your life. But God wants to use you. God wants to pour his spirit into you so it can flow out of you and impact the world that you are living in. So today we're going to talk about being released a little bit. You know, when I think about being released, I often go to Acts chapter 17. And I think about that passage of scripture that says, These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. I like that, don't you? I want to be one of those people that turn the world upside down. It excites me to think that just my presence in a place can make a difference in the world that I live in. That when I walk in the room, because of the power of God that is alive within me, things cannot stay the same because the power of God lives within me. These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. But then it dawned on me one time that God has commissioned us to turn an upside down world right side up. Think about that. God has called us and commissioned us to turn an upside down world right side up. When God created the heavens and the earth, he created it right side up. He created everything as it should be. But we all know that sin came into the world and took what was created right side up and turned it upside down. And then years later, Jesus came and provided a way for the Spirit of God to reside within the people of God. And now what we do is not turning things upside down, but it's turning things right side up that the devil turned upside down. Amen. So when we walk in, we shouldn't be creating chaos but we should be creating an atmosphere where God's righteousness is revealed and people are able to see it with clarity in their lives. Now, you've been released to do that. But now listen, the kind of release that I'm talking about cannot happen in the natural realm. You can't create it. You, you can't manipulate it. You can't make it happen. The only way that this kind of thing can happen is when we have the Spirit of God living within us. Now, in Matthew chapter 6, 
we see a, a, a passage of Scripture that records one of the lengthiest sermons that Jesus ever preached. And in Matthew chapter 6, we see him talking about a lot of things. For instance, he talked about integrity in ministry. When you do something on his behalf, you're not supposed to go around and tell everybody, you should see what I did. I'm, I mean, I'm good. Uh, you, need to, you need to watch me because when I move in the spirit, I'm telling you, it is good. And he said, no, when you do something for somebody, don't even let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Then he talks about intimate prayer. He talks about not running to the front and beating your chest and say, oh, God, so that everyone is looking at you and the attention. He said, don't pray like the hypocrites do. He said, pray intimately to your Father in heaven. He'll reward you openly. He says that we should choose our words carefully. He talks about forgiving people who are unforgivable because God forgave us when we were unforgivable. Isn't that right? And then he talks about fasting privately. I, I, I have mixed emotions about this time of the year because, you know, everybody fasts in January. Have you noticed that? If you haven't noticed that, just go on Facebook and you'll, you'll come to realize that everybody fasts in, in January. And, and, but they tell everybody about it. I'm fasting, you know, by the way, I'm fasting and did you know that I'm fasting? And in fact, I'm going to put on Facebook that I'm fasting and how I'm fasting and, and what I ate today and what I didn't eat today because you need to know that I'm fasting. But I'm not telling you that so that, you know, so that you'll know that I'm fasting, but I want to help you by sharing my fasting recipes and things like that. And all of a sudden, the whole world knows that you're fasting. You know what I mean? And Jesus said, don't do it that way. Then he says, lay up treasures in heaven. Where rust and moth cannot, take, uh, cannot ruin them. And, and then he talks about not getting attached to money. He said, listen. He said, you, you can't serve more than, than one God. And, and you can't serve money and serve God at the same time. You've got to put one of them first. And as we move through, what we see here is, is that Jesus is trying to uh, get us to understand this idea of priorities in life. He says, don't be anxious about your, what you're going to wear. You know, I, I know some of you on, on Saturday night, you start thinking about what am I going to wear to church on Sunday because I need to look good. I need to make sure it's ironed. I need to make sure everybody knows that, man, I took some time to come to the house of God today. He said, don't worry about that. Don't be anxious about what you're going to eat and what you're going to wear and all those kinds of things. He said, I'm going to take care of those things. And then he makes this statement in the middle of this, verse 33, he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Uh, this week, I, I just tried something. I took the word first out of that passage of Scripture, and I read it like this. But seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And you know, it doesn't carry the same message. Because the way I just read it, I, I can seek the kingdom whenever I want to. I can seek the kingdom last. I can seek the kingdom in the middle. I can get in a mess and then seek the kingdom. But what Jesus is saying, you've got to learn how to prioritize your life in such a way that you are seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness first, and then things begin to flow into your life. So this morning, I want to give you three things to think about. The first thing that I want you to think about is this, things 
must be the result and not the reason for living. Things must be the result and not the reason. In America, primarily, we're all about things. How many of you know that? I mean, we're all about the latest devices. We're all about the latest cars. We're all about the latest technology. We're all about the latest clothing. We're all about the latest designer. We're all about the latest purses that are being offered. We're all about the latest shoes. We're all about the latest TVs. We're all about how big of a TV we can get. We're all about things. And what God is saying is, is that things cannot accomplish what only the kingdom of God and his righteousness in your life can accomplish. Now, there's nothing wrong with things. We need things. How many of you know that? Aren't you glad that you have a chair to sit in today? Did you know that that chair is a thing? It's a thing. We need things. How many of you know that the clothes that you wore today, those are things? I'm thankful that you had clothes to wear today. And that you didn't have to ch come to church naked. Somebody say, amen. Yeah. Praise the Lord. There are things. But what Jesus is saying here is, is that it's possible to get things on the front side rather than getting things on the back side. And if we live our lives for the reason of accomplishing and, and, and acquiring things, then we're not prioritizing property properly in our lives. So we have to understand that things should be the result of righteous living and not the reason that we get up in the morning. So let me ask you some questions this morning. You answer them for yourself and to yourself. When your feet hit the floor in the morning, are you determined to pursue the kingdom of God or earthly things? You answer that question for yourself. When your feet hit the floor, is your mind immediately on what I need to do today in order to bring about earthly things in my life? Or when your feet hit the floor, are you saying, okay, God, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Here I am. I am the masterpiece of God created by you. I am God's Rob, and I am ready, and I have showed up today for service to the kingdom of God. It may be true that I don't have my parents pants on yet, but when I get my pants on, God, I'm available to you and ready to do what you have called me to do. When you hit the floor in the morning, are you thinking kingdom or are you thinking earthly? Let me ask you another question. When you have time to sit down in your lazy boy recliner and reflect on the things that you would like to reflect on, let me ask you, are you thinking about how can I advance in life or are you thinking about how can I advance in the realm of the spirit? Do you actually pick your Bible up? Do you actually spend time reading it? Do you actually spend time praying? Are you thinking in terms when you're reflecting and having a few down moments and peaceful moments, what occupies your mind more than anything else? Is it earthly? Is it worldly? Or is it kingdomly? You answer that question. I won't answer it for you. Number three, for those of you who are parents, when I instruct my children, do I emphasize how to de develop natural talent or spiritual gifts? Now listen, your children need to know how to do certain things. They need to know how to potty on the potty and not in their britches. How many of you know that? That is not a spiritual thing. That is a natural thing. You take them to the potty. 
You put a UK or a U of L sticker down inside the potty and you say, You know how to do it. Those things are necessary. You need to do that. When they mess in their britches and it smells bad, you know, you have to teach them how to not do that or else they're going to be 21 and still messing their britches. But here's what I want to ask you, though. Are those things more important than taking the time to instruct them in spiritual things? It doesn't matter so much that they know how to hit a baseball. It doesn't matter so much that they know how to shoot a three-pointer. Those are all good. I'm not preaching against sports. I played sports. I did all that stuff. But I'm talking about priorities today. And only you can answer that question. And only you can come up with the answer that says, Well, you know, now that I think about it, I probably spend a whole lot more time talking, about, to, talking to my kids about natural processes than I do spiritual processes. But listen, in the long run, what will make them successful and what will cause them to succeed and what will cause them to have joy in their life is not that they can hit the ball out of the park, but that they can connect with God in a personal way and have victory in every area of their life. Here's another question. When I get into a disagreement with my neighbor, am I more concerned about my rights or developing a relationship that could ultimately bring my neighbor to Christ? Am I more concerned about me? Am I more concerned about what I want? Am I more concerned about the wrong that I perceive or am I more concerned about letting go of the offense and saying I want to create a relationship with this neighbor of mine who is cantankerous at times. Did it ever dawn on you that maybe you're the cantankerous one? You see, we have to analyze these things and say, I am more concerned about having a good relationship with my neighbor or my husband or my spouse or my boss or whoever. I'm more concerned about having a godly spiritual relationship with them so that I can be there for them when they are ready to turn their lives over to Christ than I am that I get what I think is mine at the time that I think it ought to be mine. But only you can answer that question. I won't answer it for you. When I'm tired in my body, do I set aside kingdom responsibility for earthly refreshment? Am I doing the kinds of things that will bring me into relationship with Jesus Christ? There's a story told about a man who had two cows. And one day he got up and he went over to his wife and he said, I've made a decision. He said, I've got two cows. Tomorrow, I'm going to go to the market, and I'm going to sell these cows. The first cow, I'm going to sell, and I'm going to keep the revenue for our family. The second cow, I'm going to sell, and I'm going to give the revenue to God. And she said, that sounds like a wonderful plan. The next day, he gets up. She sees him. He looks very sad. He looks very forlorn. And she said, what's the matter? And after thinking long and hard about the situation, he said to his wife last night, God's cow died. Get it? See, here's the thing. When we put ourselves before God, God's cow always dies. It's never our cow that dies. 
It's always God's cow that dies. And what God is trying to get us to see is, if you give me my cow, you don't have to worry about your cow. Because when you put me first, I'll give you more cows than you know what to do with. Your house will smell like cows. When you walk out in the front yard, you'll step in cow mess all the time. Because if you'll give me my cow, then there will be plenty of cow meat for you. But it's a priority and it's a decision. So the first thing that we have to consider is this. Things cannot be the result, have to be the result. They cannot be the reason that we live. Here's the second thing that I want you to consider. His kingdom and his righteousness must trump the desire for our things. Say this word with me. Follow. Follow. Joe, would you follow me for just a moment? Follow me. Hey, Johnny. How you doing? You told me you were coming. I just didn't know when. You want to follow me? Follow Joe. Follow Joe. There you go. Hi, Isaac. You want to follow us? Follow Johnny. Anybody else want to go? Some of you are thinking, oh, God, please, don't worry. Joyce, you're good. Come on. Fall in line back there. Sed's asleep. He he can't. (laughs) Seeing who I want to follow me. I don't got anybody else I want following me. Now, who's first? Who? Me. Now, let's just say that Joe decides he wants to lead. Now, who's first? That's right, Joe. We're following. Where are you going? Okay, following. He's leading. Stop. I'm tired of following you. Johnny, you get up there. Now, lead. Go ahead. Now, who's, who, who's, in the, who's first? Johnny? Okay. Good deal. Yeah, you're not doing a good job. Stop. Isaac going up, going up there. Now, now, who's leading? Who's first? Who's first? Isaac. Who's not leading? I'm not leading. We got one more in us? Go ahead. I didn't even ask you. You just jumped in line. <laughs> Keith, Keith knew he was destined to lead. That's right. He jumped out. Thanks, guys. You can be seated. Thank you. There can only be one first. There can only be one thing at the beginning. And what, what Jesus is saying here, seek ye first, and then he tells us what to seek. He says, seek the kingdom of God and seek his righteousness. So what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, the kingdom can be defined as God's eternal purposes. 
Whatever it is that God's attempting to do and trying to do, that is the kingdom. So if I am seeking God's eternal purposes, then I am seeking the things of the kingdom. I am seeking his eternal purpose. I am seeking to bring glory to him. I'm not seeking my way, my will, my dreams, my plans, my purpose. I am following him and I'm allowing him to lead. It's not my will. It's his will. Seems like I remember hearing and Jesus say that in the garden of Gethsemane when he was there destined to die and he cries out and says father if there be any way that this cup can pass from me let it pass nevertheless not my will but thy will be done If you're going to have this kind of release in your life, you've got to learn how to operate in the kingdom of God. You have to seek first the kingdom of God if you're going to have that kind of release in your life. It's recognizing his purpose in all things. It's acknowledging that God does nothing haphazardly. He does nothing just for the fun of it. But everything that he does and says has a purpose and will work his purpose in my life and in your life. So he says, seek the kingdom of God. Then he says, seek his righteousness. Seek his righteousness. It says, what what is righteousness? Righteousness now can be defined as those things which rightfully advance his kingdom purposes. So I can be following Christ, but I'm not doing the things that advance his kingdom purposes in my life. For instance... If I know that he expects them to be truthful, and yet I'm not truthful, I'm a manipulator, I'm a liar, then I am not allowing his kingdom to have its rightful place in my life, and his righteousness will not work in me and through me. So I have to be willing to give myself to righteousness. Let me ask you some more questions. You ready? What if telling the truth advances his purposes even if it gets me fired. Boy, it's quiet in here today. I don't hear any. I don't hear any. If telling the truth is what he tells us to do, if telling the truth gets us fired, we are still supposed to tell the truth. You say, well, I got to have that job. I got to have that money coming in. Who knows But what you telling the truth and getting fired is the door you need to walk through to your destiny that God has for you that you haven't even seen yet. And you'll walk in and through a door to a job and employment that you never even knew existed. But you were faithful to the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. Let me ask you another question. What if I'm angry with my wife and I'm fed up with her and I decide I'm going to walk away and divorce her and just leave? But what if staying with her is the better thing to do? What if staying with her advances the kingdom of God? Should I not then do what scripture tells me to do? What if instead of leaving my children without a father, what if I stay home and model integrity for them? 
You know, one of the big problems that we have in America today is children who are growing up in their homes without their fathers. And they don't know what it is to have a father. And then when they grow up, they hate other people because they're angry with their father, who in many cases, they don't even know who he is. And so they're angry because dad didn't stick around. Dad didn't have any time for them. Dad had other plans in mind. Let me tell you something. Young men, make a commitment to one woman and have children with her that you raise in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And I'll tell you right now, it's not easy. It will get hard. But if you will walk in the righteousness of God, he will give you the resources that you need to be able to pull it off. Stop running. Stay home. Stop giving up on your family. Let them know that you care about them and that you love them. Why? Because it's the righteous way to live. If you're in Christ, you will want to do what is right. You will want to prioritize what is right. Because God's way is the way that will work. What if I refuse to have the abortion? And give the baby a chance at life even if it means it's going to make my life more difficult and I have to adopt that baby to another family. What if? You okay today? Everybody all right? I can't imagine any situation, any circumstance, any day, any time, any year when it'd be all right to take a baby and abort that baby for convenience sake. Bible doesn't teach that. And yet we've accepted that in America. Listen, there are families out there that would love to have a baby. There are families out there who would love to adopt a child. Why don't we give God a chance? Why don't we, instead of saying this is the easy way out, I'm just going to get rid of this thing because I made a mistake. I, I did something I shouldn't have done. And now I'm going to fix it by aborting this baby because it'll be easier that way. Why don't you instead trust God and believe that even though this may be difficult, I believe that God will forgive me of my sin and take this situation and work his good in this baby's life. Because when you do stuff like that, you get people like Israel Houghton who writes songs like this. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. Should have been aborted. Should have never lived a life. But his mother said, I'm going to make this work. I'm not going to take the easy way out. I'm going to walk the righteous way out. And because she did, we're blessed by this wonderful creative musician who sings and lifts spirits and leads people to Christ all around the world. What if? What if instead of me taking the easy way, what if instead of me taking the natural path, what if I determine today, from this day forward, I'm going to walk in the Spirit and seek first His kingdom and His righteousness so that everything else then can come together. One other thing I want you to consider and then I'll quit. Number three, first means first. First. 
First doesn't mean last. First doesn't mean in the middle. Colossians chapter 1, verses 16 and 17 says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Did you see that? He is before all things. What does before mean? It means first. Before doesn't mean back there second. Before means up here in the lead. Before means up here first. Before means before you were even thought of, I was. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the God who was and is and is yet to come. He existed before, he exists now, and he will exist tomorrow and forevermore because he is eternal. He's first. He was before the mess that you created. He was before the mess that your sin brought into your life. He was before all those things. And if he was before all those things, then you better believe that he knows how to fix those things in your life. And if you will prioritize him, those things will begin to take place. Got money problems? Listen to what the word says. I know some of you are thinking, he's talked an awful lot about money today. I know he's going to take an offering. I'm not. I'm going to take an offering. But I want you to get release in your life. And you can't get financial release in your life until you do it according to the kingdom and the righteousness of God. You, that, that's the only way. You get a better job, a bigger... I don't care if they double your salary. If you don't prioritize tithing and giving in your life, you'll go bankrupt. Because it's God's way of doing things. He said, well, prove it to me. Thank you. I love a challenge. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Deuteronomy chapter 18 and verse 4 says, the first fruits of your grain and of your wine. Some of you think I ain't giving nobody any of my wine. He said, the first fruits of your grain, of your wine, and of your oil, and the first shearing or fleecing of your sheep, you shall give to him. How do I do that? You do it through a local church. In the Old Testament, they did it. In the temple, in the tab where the priest administered the kingdom of God. You do it through a local church. And when you begin to do those things and give him the first fruits, then blessings begin to come into your life. Let me talk about something other than money. And that way some of you can breathe again. He wants you to love him first. And he wants you to love him forever. He doesn't want you to love him once a week. 
He doesn't want you to love him one hour a week. He wants you to love him and prioritize him first and forever. You know, I told my wife when, when we got married, I love this lady. I love her more than any natural individual or thing on this earth. She knows that. But I can never love her more than I love God. Because she could never do in me and for me spiritually the things that only God can do. So I cannot prioritize her over God. I have to put God first. But here's the crazy thing. When I put God first, I can love her better than I've ever loved her before. When I put God first, I can prepare for her a life better than at any time before. When I put God first in my finances and money... She'll never go without because God will bless the people who love him first and put him first. Priorities. I don't think she doubts that I love her. But I also don't think that she doubts that I love God and Jesus Christ more than anything. And so it's a matter of priorities. Revelation chapter 2 verse 4 and 5 says, But I have this against you that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did first. Now what does that mean? Does that mean that you can work your way to salvation? No. It means that when you first started following Jesus, something transformed you. You didn't see things the same way. You didn't think the same way. You didn't talk the same way. You didn't walk the same way. You didn't sing the same way. You didn't look at the things uh, now that you used to look at. You didn't have the emotions now that you used to have that were out of control. When Christ came into your life, behold, old things passed away and behold, all things became new. And there was an excitement about serving the Lord. And there was an excitement about knowing Jesus. There was an excitement about knowing. If you, if you got healed in your body, there's an excitement about that. But then we get six weeks down the road or six years down the road. And now all of a sudden, we're just walking back in that path that comes naturally. Listen, you have been designed in such a way that if you don't purposefully keep God first, you will drift back in to what is natural for you. But he has not called you to live naturally. He has called you to live spiritually. And so whether you're in this house on Sunday, Wednesday, Thursday or not, or you're on your job or you're doing something out in the world, you cannot separate the secular from the spirit. You're not secular through the week and then spiritual on Sunday. No, 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 a thousand times no. If the spirit of God lives and resides within me, then every day, every second, every minute, every hour, every day of my life, I am a spiritual individual full of the power of Jesus Christ. But he says to the church, he said, you forgot that. You got away from that. And what I need for you to do is to get back to your first love. Scripture tells us he's creator. Is the creator always first? The creator's always first. He's the head. What's on the top of your body? Your head. 
I hope that's where it's at. <laughs> Scriptures tell us that he's the beginning. Where's the beginning? He is preeminent. Scripture says, what does that mean? More important than anything else. Advanced before anything else. Let me read a passage of Scripture to you. Colossians chapter 1, verses 18 through 20, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning. He is the firstborn from the dead. That in everything, say everything. How much is everything? It's everything. So that in everything, he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile himself to all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. I could go on and on and on. And we would come to the same conclusion that God has to be first. If you don't put him first, nothing else matters. John, will you play that video for me? Behind in the count when he's ahead in the count. Looks just like his fastball. Harper, little tapper right in front of the plate. And he will keep going on a bad throw by the pitcher. Harper hustling all the way. Hey, maybe that forced the bad throw. It absolutely did. You remember Bryce Harper's first at-bat in Los Angeles. Trent Jewett, the first base coach for the Nationals, had him at 3-9-7 going to first base. A lot of people giggled, though, a 19-year-old kid running hard to first base on a comebacker. Well, this is what happens when you get a reputation for running hard to first. Ian Kennedy hurries the throw, didn't set his feet, and all of a sudden, on a simple comebacker to the mound, you have a runner on second, two outs, and this kid can do no wrong. I think the Diamondbacks are going to appeal that Harper missed the bag. The replay showed it was borderline, and Chris Guccione's the umpire over there. In a moment, Kennedy's going to step off and throw to first. He's out, he missed the bag. Did you hear all the wonderful things they said about Bryce Harper? This young man can do nothing wrong. It seems like when everything's going bad, everything he does winds up with a good result. And then something happened that changed all that. You know what it was? He simply missed what had to be first. And when he missed what had to be first... It didn't matter what else he did after that. It didn't matter how brilliant his potential was. It doesn't matter how fast he can run. It doesn't matter how much money that they pay him because he's this great athlete. He missed first. And because he missed first, he was called out. The Bible tells us that there's going to come a day, we refer to it as judgment day, where there are going to be people who come to Jesus and they're going to want to have entrance into the kingdom of God. And they're going to say things like this, Lord, we preached in your name. We healed in your name. We cast out devils in your name and the Bible says that he's going to look at them and say depart from me you're a worker of iniquity I never knew you 
They never tagged first base. They knew how to do all the church stuff. They knew how to look spiritual. But the one thing that they had to do and needed to do most, have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, was the thing that they did not have. You may come to church every day of your life and not know Jesus. You can pay your tithe dollar upon dollar upon dollar upon dollar and not know Jesus. You can sing in the praise team and not know Jesus. You can preach from the pulpit and not be in relationship with him. And it doesn't matter how successful your life appears to be. If you miss first, you will be called out. But the good news is this. All you have to do is run the bases the way that he asked you to run them. Do what's first. Come into relationship with him. Once you've come into relationship with him, then seek ye first the kingdom of God, those things that advance his purpose and his righteousness, those things that are the right thing to do that will advance the kingdom of God in this world. And if you'll do those things, first base is relationship with him. Second base is seeking his kingdom first. Third base is seeking and doing his righteousness. And then there's a fourth thing that happens in baseball. It's when you cross home plate and you touch home plate and you score and the point goes on the board. The last thing is if you do all the first things, the last things, these things shall be added unto you. What do they do when they score at home plate? I'm saying to you today is church I don't I don't want you to strive to be religious I'm not asking you to strive to do what you do in the flesh it won't work and it's not what God's called you to do God's called you to walk every day in his spirit will you stand with me this morning